I'm Ryan, one of the pastors. We're so glad that you are here as we kick off this brand new series called Four Prayers That Will Change Your Life. I think uh, when it comes to prayer, maybe a lot of us feel like Greg here. It feels kind of awkward and foreign to some of us. Uh, maybe we stumble over our words or we feel guilty because we don't pray long enough or maybe our minds wander when we pray. Maybe we don't know what to say. And last but not least, maybe we wonder, does prayer even work at all? Does prayer work at all? Uh, But what if prayer does work? And what if there were specific prayers that had the power to change our life if we prayed them? Well, when we think about prayer, we think about communicating with the creator of the universe. And I don't know about you, but that seems a little bit overwhelming, um, a little bit amazing, maybe a little presumptuous, that we can actually communicate with the creator of everything. And maybe we haven't thought of it in that kind of magnitude when we offer up shotgun prayers like, God, help me pass this test, or God, help her to call me back, or God, please help me deal with my moronic children, right? I mean, so there's lots of shotgun prayers that we tend to throw up now and again. And I can remember being in my early 20s, one prayer specifically that stands out. As I was driving home one night, I was having a little bit of a pity party for myself. Uh, Maybe you've been there. And I remember being in my early 20s, you know, after dating several people and just thinking, God, I just want to find the one, you know, the one that I'm going to be with. And so I remember driving home and just praying and talking to God, God, when am I ever going to find the one? I remember like crying and it was raining that night. It was just like one of those perfect, you know, movie moments that you'd be crying through the rain and it was just awful. But I remember praying, asking God, do you even hear me right now that this is such a strong desire of my heart? And here's the cool thing about prayer we, that we read about in Psalm 5.3. It says this, that in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectations. Amazing to think that that creator of the universe hears us. He hears our voice every time we pray. And there's been many, many times that I've prayed because I was desperate or because I wanted something from God. But when I took the time to develop a regular time of prayer, I noticed something pretty incredible. And it's the first filling in your notes. That prayer not only, that prayer works in me before it works in my circumstance. That prayer actually works in me before it works in my circumstance. That prayer begins this process. And maybe you've experienced this too. Prayer begins this process of changing our heart to align more with God's. And it's easy, I think, to wonder from time to time, does prayer even work? Is anyone up there listening? Hello. Uh, But the truth is, your next feeling that God not only hears our prayer, but also is using them to change us to become who he wants us to be. Does God hear us? Absolutely, he does. But he's also using those prayers to change us. And when we take that posture towards prayer, we recognize that there are some important prayers we can pray that hold the key to life change. And over the next four weeks, we're gonna pray four prayers together that will change our life if we will allow them to and if we're willing to pray them. And so one prayer maybe we've heard uh, or maybe we've prayed most often is, God, will you forgive me? Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, right? You've done something stupid. God, will you forgive me? Uh, You've sinned. You've made the wrong choice. You said the wrong thing. And you pray that prayer, God, will you forgive me? Uh, When I think back to maybe my first really understanding of forgiveness and doing something wrong, I was about three years old, and I was at my friend's house, and we were playing together, and I started playing with one of his matchbox 
boxcars that were really, really cool. It was like this shiny blue. It had some glitter in it. And I thought to myself, man, what I wouldn't give to have that car. And so I did what maybe you would have done, maybe not done if you were a bit better, more spiritual than me. I took that car and I just put it in my pocket and I, st- and I went home with it. And all of a sudden, the na- my friend's mom called my mom and said, hey, I noticed so-and-so was missing his car. Do you know if Ryan saw it anywhere? He's been begging for it, on and on and on. And my mom came to me and said, Ryan, do you know where his car is? And instantly I started crying because I knew that I had purposely stolen it because I wanted to keep it. And I, and I went to my room and I got it and I said, here's the car, you know. And so my mom was trying to help me understand what it means that that was wrong. And apparently I was a better thief than I was liar, right? I wasn't a good liar, apparently. Didn't think through that step of plausible deniability or anything like that. Uh, just gave up the car. Uh, that was one of those first few moments that my mom led me in that prayer. Hey, we need to ask for forgiveness when we've done something wrong. And I don't know about you, but all throughout my life, I've had to pray prayers of forgiveness, All throughout my life, I've had to reconcile my relationship with God because my sin has separated me from him. But here's what's so encouraging that we read in 1 John 1, 9. It says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to forgive us. If we ask for anybody who confesses their sin to God, he will forgive us. We know that he will, which is so comforting to receive that kind of grace, but not so comforting in what he asks us to do with our forgiveness. And it leads us to life-changing prayer number one, and it's on your notes, and it's this. God, help me to forgive. God, help me to forgive. Boy, that's a powerful and life-changing prayer. Because if we're honest, I mean, come on, we love the idea of our Heavenly Father forgiving our sins, don't we? We all love that idea. If we could just pause it, if we could just Zach Morris it right there and just kind of leave it alone, and that's the end of the forgiveness chain, that would be a beautiful thing. But when it comes to having us having to forgive others, we always kind of think that's for people more spiritual than us, right? We'll leave the forgiving to the Pope right? And we'll leave the grudge holding to us. That would be good, right? People that are more spiritual can get on this forgiveness train, but maybe not us. So let me ask you, have you ever had somebody say something to you that was so hurtful that you've held on to? Have you ever had somebody do something to you that has been so hurtful that you've just held on to it? Has anyone broken their trust with you, lied to you, misrepresented you, lied about you? Or hurt you? And have you had that hurt swirl around in your life in such a big way that it began to impact other areas of your life? It was like that hurt got a hold of us. And it just wouldn't let go. It was like it was chained to us. And we tried to get away from it We try to not think about it, but it remained with us. And that burden became heavy and was something that we had to wear. Maybe you can think of a moment. Maybe it's that exact moment that you know what I'm talking about, those hurts that maybe you've carried around. Have you ever allowed that hurt to turn into a grudge? 
that you've kind of planted your heels in and you've said, oh no, I'm gonna hold on to this grudge for a while. Because if we're being honest, there's something about a grudge we kind of like. It's true. We kind of like a little bit of a grudge. We kind of like having a leg up on somebody else to go, wow, they wronged me, they owe me, and now, oh boy, I'm gonna revel in this. I'm just gonna hang on to this for a while. And maybe we dream of ways that you're going to tell them off one day how you really feel, right? Have you ever had those daydreams? Oh, man, if I, you know, or you could think, oh, if I could have only gone back and said this in that moment, that would have been great. That would have been a great thing to say. But you didn't think of it in the moment. And holding a grudge might feel good for a while, but the question becomes, does it work? Does it work for us? And the thing is that some of us make present-day decisions from hurt that happened a long time ago. Some of us still lose sleep over hurt and offenses that happened years ago. Things that we've never been able to unlock out of our life. And so then we ask the question, how is that unforgiveness thing working out for us? Because the truth is, your next feeling that the longer you hold on to that unforgiveness the longer that unforgiveness has a hold of you. The longer you hold on to it, the longer it has a hold of you. And some of you have been, you've been chained to some hurts for a very, very long time. In fact, you almost can't remember what it's like to not live with those hurts. And I'm not saying that what somebody did or said to you wasn't a big deal? That you don't have every right to be hurt? Every right to feel the way you're feeling? But here's a question, an honest question that I want to ask you. Do you really want that hurt to hold you back from the freedom God has for you the rest of your life? Do you really want that to be the thing that defines you from here on out? Do you really want that to be the thing that impacts every decision you make and the relationships that you have around you? And I know for some of us in this room, maybe the hurt is fresh. Maybe that wound is new and you just can't even think about wrapping your head around this idea of forgiveness. But here's what we realize, and you know this, that your next feeling, that over time, you will realize that the person that is hurting the most is the person holding on to the unforgiveness. Isn't that true? Come on, we all know this. The person that ends up hurting the most is the one that holds on to the unforgiveness. See, we think by holding on to that hurt that somehow we're gonna make that person pay for what they did. But in the end, we're the ones who end up paying the most. And that is why Jesus wants to understand this powerful nature of forgiveness and how powerful this prayer is if we'll pray it and truly mean it. And Jesus was so masterful at telling stories and parables that brought us into his way of thinking. And this parable was no different in Matthew 18, verse 23. He begins it this way. He says, Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and actually, Jesus would say this a lot. He'd say, what I'm about to tell you, this is really what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is actually how the people that followed me are supposed to act, how they're supposed to live. 
this is what the kingdom of heaven, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay you back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and not only said, yeah, you can take some time to pay me back, but actually canceled the debt and let him go. And when that servant went out, after just having his debts canceled, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Sounds oddly familiar, doesn't it? But he, what's that word? Refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. They were like, can you believe this guy just did that? Our master just repaid, just canceled all this guy's debt. And here he is going after this other guy for his debt. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy? on your fellow servant, just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your That's kind of intense, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Who owes you? Not like money, not stuff, but who owes you? Whose name do the chains of this hurt belong to? That you feel like owe you? Because that's exactly what Jesus is illustrating in this story. And obviously, I'm sure that you probably put all this together. The master is God, and we are the servant. And there was a time in our life that every single one of us needed forgiveness. Every one of us were broken. Every one of us were lost in sin. And we begged our Heavenly Father to forgive us. And he not only forgave us, but he canceled our debt. And oftentimes, then, we go to our fellow servants. And we don't extend the same forgiveness. Now, does, is God really going to torture every single one of us until we can figure all this out? No. What it means is that God understands that the weight of this hurt, the weight of your unforgiveness will torture you until you get rid of it. He understands, God understands the implications for our life. 
the destructive nature of our unforgiveness. And your heavenly father and my heavenly father wants us to learn how to let our hurt go. To forgive those who have wronged us. Because this is the pattern in this parable that Jesus is telling us. Your next feeling that God's forgiveness was never meant to come only to us, but to come through us. Not only to us, but through us. We're not to just be recipients of God's forgiveness, but distributors of God's forgiveness. And at times, that can be very, very, very hard to do. Very hard to do. But the key is beginning with this prayer, God, will you help me to forgive? And here's the other key that helps us. Your next feeling. We are able to forgive when we remember how much God has forgiven us of. We're able to forgive when we remember how much God has forgiven us of. Come on, every single one of us, if we could go back to our worst day, our worst comment, our worst choice, our worst regret, every single one of us could go back to those moments in time, and yet we understand that Jesus died for all of it and has forgiven us, every last bit of it. He was at his best when we were at our worst. There's no other way to put it. And he forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And to realize that nothing, no amount of sin, nothing trumps the death of Jesus on the cross. And when God looks at us, you know what he sees us as? Just like that last song we sang, forgiven. It's written on your heart. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. No shame can hold on to you. You're forgiven. And when you understand your next feeling, when you understand that the brutal death of Jesus happened so that you can be forgiven, you realize this truth, that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. That's such a powerful truth. Forgiven people should forgive people. And the reason we forgive, don't miss this, the reason that we forgive is as much for us as it is for them. Because when we pray this prayer, God, would you help me to forgive? It's like God hands us the key that unlocks the hurt. So we no longer have to be bound by that anymore. We pray that prayer, God, would you help me forgive? Help me to offload what I have been carrying for so long. It unlocks us of that and it begins to set us free. It begins to allow peace and a joy to take its place. And so we pray, God, help me to forgive them as I'm reminded of all that you have forgiven me of. But here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. This is way simpler than it sounds and it's not in our human nature. Our human nature is not to pray and ask God to help us with this. Our human nature is to hold on to those hurts 
to try to get even, to pay them back, to actually wish something bad upon them because of what they've done to us. And the Apostle Paul, what I love about him is just his humanity. He understands where we're at. He understands the spirit of the human soul that doesn't change even in 2,000 years. And that's why he writes in Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't do it. I know you're tempted to, but don't do it. The evil that's been done to you, it's exactly that. We're not foo-fooing it. We're not calling it something else. It was evil. What was done to you, what was said about you, it was wrong. We're not ignoring it, but we've got to be aware that we don't respond with the same actions that they did. Don't repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, verse 18, as far as it depends on who? As much as it depends on me. Why does Paul say as much as it depends on you? Because at the end of the day, you can't control another person. So Paul says, listen, the only person we can control is you. So as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now listen, when Paul says this, he's not saying that you have to have a partnership or a relationship with that person. It doesn't mean you have to forgive only to be hurt again and again. You may need to change relationships. You may need to set up some boundaries in your life, and that is wise to do. But I'm going to do it in a way that's peaceable. I'm going to approach this hurt as wisely and as peaceably as I can. And then as we listen to what this next verse says, I mean, maybe you've never understood this part of forgiveness, and maybe this will give you a little boost to turn the lock, the key on that lock. Verse 19, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, This weekend I saw that movie Avengers. Anybody else see that movie? Okay, a few of you, excellent. Uh, You know, this group of superheroes, that they were going to avenge The world's wrongs. And inside of us, there is this temptation to avenge ourselves and our wrongs. But when we do that, we take God out of the mix. And Paul says, no, 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 hold on. Go ahead and just leave some room there. Because God will avenge you. God will come to your aid. God will take care of that person. God will take care of that situation. God will do way more than you or I ever could. And so let me ask you a question. Whose job do you really believe it is to avenge you? And when you try to bring justice for yourself, whose job are then you assuming? It's his, and it's his job. And last time I checked, we do a terrible job as God's replacement. Aren't you glad that I'm not God? You weren't supposed to nod so frequently, but yes. (laughs) Aren't you glad the person sitting next to you isn't God? Yeah, I mean, not too loudly, but yeah. We do a bad job when we try to take God's job. So don't repay evil for evil. Live at peace as much as depends on you. Come on, leave some room for God to work and for God to repay and for God to avenge. He'll he'll take care of that. That's not your job. 
Our job is forgiveness. And I love this. In spite of our temptation, he ends with this, on the contrary. Even though that's what you want to do, on the contrary, I want you to understand that the kingdom of heaven should be like this, that if your enemy is hungry, that you'd feed him. And if he is thirsty, you'd give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Has anyone ever had heaping coals placed on their heads? I mean, I can't imagine that's a very good feeling. I can't imagine that. But that's exactly what that person will feel like when they know that they've wronged you and you've extended forgiveness and love anyway. It causes them to reevaluate everything in their own personal life. How could someone forgive me when I know that I've treated you badly? How could someone love me? How could someone be kind to me? And once they work through all those things, you know what they end up with? They end up with this question What kingdom are you from? It doesn't seem like anything I've seen in culture, nothing that I've seen in my other friends. What's different about you? And it's those moments that our relationship with Jesus shines through. He says, come on, do this so that you're not overcome with evil. Your next feeling, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you never overcome. I know we think we might, but we don't. When you hold on to this, you will never overcome. And Paul says, don't be overcome with this, but overcome this with forgiveness, with love, with kindness. Because when we hold on to that, we always stay put. Our heart always stays locked up. And that's why this is such a powerful prayer to pray. God, will you help me to forgive? It's a choice through prayer that we make and the strength of God to let go of that grudge, to let go of that hurt that has held on for far too long. And as I was thinking about this this week, it reminded me of this, of the Olympian, Louis Zamperini. Maybe you've heard of him. A couple years ago, this movie called Unbroken came out. And it was a story about his life And I want you to just catch a little bit of his testimony right here. Check this out. His first fame came when he was just a teenager. In 1936, he made the U.S. Olympic team. At 19, he was the youngest qualifier in the 5,000 meters. He didn't win, but Louis Zamperini became a household name, a sports hero. A few years later, the nation was at war. Zamberini was a bombardier in the Army Air Corps. In May 1943, his B-24 crashed into the Pacific. Our number one engine, the RPMs dropped. This plane was barely flying with four motors, and with two gone, it just dropped like a rock. And so we hit the uh, water nose down. I felt like someone hit me in the forehead with a sledgehammer. The plane was completely blown apart. What happened next was documented in this 1998 story from correspondent Bob Simon. Zamperini spotted a life raft floating rapidly away from the burning waters. He swam to it. 
47 days in an inflatable raft. We never prayed before, but on a raft you pray like a foxhole. <laughs> he fought off sharks and battled the sea. Things went from bad to worse. Zamperini was near death when he was captured by the Japanese and taken to a place known as Execution Island, where every known prisoner had been put to death. They took great joy in telling us we were going to be executed, you know, and they'd always go through the motion. It got even worse. His fame back home led to hours of torture and beatings at the hands of a sadistic guard nicknamed the Bird. I couldn't bear to look in his eyes. I just couldn't do it. They were, to me, they were that sadistic. When he wasn't being beaten, he was starved, like most of the Americans held by the Japanese. But somehow, he survived. Louis Zamperini returned home a hero. This is your life. There were TV appearances. His life appeared to return to normal. But the war years, while gone, were anything but forgotten. Haunted by nightmares, he turned to alcohol. Then, in a last-ditch effort to save his marriage and perhaps his life, Zamperini joined his wife Cynthia at a prayer service led by a young Billy Graham. Graham's sermon touched on the power of forgiveness. It was the first night in two years and a half that I didn't have a nightmare and I haven't had one since. So it, uh, the forgiveness it was a complete healing factor in my life. Which is why Zamperini decided to commit himself to a lifetime of forgiveness. And that meant he had to go back to Japan to see the prison guards who'd tried so hard to destroy him. The most important thing in my Christian life was to know that I not only forgave him verbally, but to see him face to face and tell him that I forgave him. What this interview doesn't cover was that after this interview, the TV show 60 Minutes found Machihiro Watanabe, or the bird, the one prison guard that was responsible for his greatest torture. And they asked the bird if he'd be willing to do an interview. And he agreed. 60 Minutes then called Louis Zamperini and asked him if he wanted to write him a letter. And he did. And it reads this way. To Machiro Watanabe, as a result of my prisoner war experience under your unwarranted and unreasonable punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering as it was the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights, not only as a prisoner of war, but also as a human being, were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain enough dignity and hope to live until the war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble. But thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love has replaced the hate I had for you. Christ said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. As you probably know, I returned to Japan in 1952 and was graciously allowed to address all the Japanese war criminal, criminals at the prison. 
I asked then about you and was told that you probably had committed uh, harakiri, which I was sad to hear. At that moment, like the others, I also forgave you and now I hope that you also become a Christian. Sincerely, Louis Zamperini. You know, it's interesting when you watch and hear a story like that. Sometimes it helps put our own hurt in perspectives. As we ask, what kind of forgiveness do you need to enter into? Maybe this morning you would recognize that this heavy weight's been on you for a while. And maybe like Louie, it's been hard to shake. It's been hard to let go of, hard to even know what to do with it. And maybe in this moment this morning, it's this recognition of all that God has forgiven us of. So willingly, so lovingly, and Jesus says, now will you take this and will you extend it to others? You see your last fill-in, when we choose to walk in forgiveness towards those who deserve it least, that is when we are most like Jesus. If you ever wondered what it really looks like to be like Jesus, it's when we forgive those who least deserve it. Because when we forgive others, we repeat this story of redemption over and over and over again. The redemption that Jesus gave to us. Now mind you, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. It simply means we're extending to others what's already been extended to us. And then we trust God to bring justice to our situation. We trust God to avenge. We trust God to take care of everything else on the other side. And so I wonder, as we close today, could we take a few moments and could each of us pray this prayer? God, would you help me to forgive? So would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room as we take a moment? And I believe in those moments that God puts the very people on our hearts that he knows we need to extend forgiveness to. So let's take a moment and pray about this. Heavenly Father, this is hard. It's not easy to get our heart to open up. To let forgiveness out to those who have hurt us most. And that's why we're asking for your help. Because in our own strength, we just can't do it. to release that forgiveness. Because we're so grateful that when we were at our very worst, you've loved us unconditionally.
you've forgiven us every single time so faithfully. Let us not be like the servant that graciously receives but doesn't extend it. So Heavenly Father, would you do a transformative work in us? By your spirit that would get us in this rhythm of receiving and extending forgiveness, receiving and extending, receiving and extending. That the chains that have held on to some of us for so long in this moment would be released as we make that decision to forgive and let it go. To maybe breathe free for the first time in a long time. That the weight of that grudge would be gone in Jesus' name. That peace would take its place and joy would take its place. Security would take its place. To know that you're working that out, that you're bringing justice. We trust you for it. So God, all week this week, as we bump into little offenses here and there, would you help us to be the kind of people, the kind of followers of you that would receive your forgiveness and extend it quickly to others. In Jesus' name we pray.